This is The Weekender on Y95, brought to you by Eris Yarmouth. Good morning and welcome to The Weekender on Y95, brought to you by Eris Yarmouth, your one-stop healthy home center. I'm Kevin Northup. The Weekender for Saturday, October 22nd, 2022. Coming up this hour, the ferry is coming back for another season. We discuss the economic impact the 2022 crossings had on our economy with the Executive Director of the Yarmouth and Area Chamber of Commerce, Rick Allwright. The Yarmouth County Athletic Awards are moving to January, but nominations are being sought now. We talk about that and more with Yarmouth Recreation Director, Frank Grant. And support for dementia caregivers is coming to Yarmouth next month. The Alzheimer's Society of Nova Scotia holding two in-person support programs. Jacob Postawaite speaks with Sandra Hubbard-LeBlanc about the sessions. The Weekender returns in a moment on Y95. Welcome back to The Weekender on Y95. I'm Jacob Postelwaite. The Cat Ferry's sailing season has ended after making its return for the first time since 2018. We now have the final numbers for the season, and here to discuss it is the Executive Director of the Yarmouth and Area Chamber of Commerce, Rick Allwright. Thanks for joining me, Rick. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. So Bay Ferries just released their final numbers for the CAT season. Uh, 36,151 passengers, 113 round trips, and 35% less traffic from the U.S. So uh, tell us your thoughts. Well, I think it's indicative of where we are as a, as a, as a world, really, in terms of uh, in terms of travel, just everyone just getting back to it. So, uh, and this is a first year operation. So, uh, I think overall, like, are the numbers, uh, travel numbers, a little down, disappointing. Sure, maybe a little bit, but uh, overall, in terms of the entire uh, outlook of of travel across the world, I think it's a good a good start. So what economic impacts did we see, you know, over the summer while the cat was here? Uh, how did the ferry change things? Uh, fairly significantly. Uh, we've talked to operators who have, uh, and businesses who basically have seen um, their businesses go from almost nothing to um, significant numbers. We've, we've one, one uh, retail operator reported basically a 400% increase in, in sales, um, and and another went from another operator went from um, no bookings whatsoever to uh, basically um, ever having having uh, uh, operate tours to give all the time. Um, so it's a, it is a fairly significant impact that that ferries having uh, on our operators, and we're seeing even in hotel room nights, um, we're all this year is surpassing any. Um, uh, the past years uh, for for room nights sold, um, even when the ferry was operating in the past. So um, this is a it's, I, we think it's a great a great return. Yeah. So you mentioned you know those numbers being up from the past for hotel numbers, but you know overall and in some of the different areas, how does this compare to the previous years when the ferry was in service? Um, in terms of the impact it's having, it's it's actually been better um, than what. Than past years, it's been it's been far far exceeding it actually. So um, the impact from the ferries is even uh, even greater than what what the actual passenger number is. Um, you've seen like a, a, a dec- the decrease in in passenger counts and is that but it's an increase in sales uh, for room nights and 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 other operators. So it's like it it, it seems to have worked out um, for our region at least. Um, 
and I, I expect it's having the same sort of effect elsewhere. So um, we've seen fairly. I, I, it's hard to like when you're looking at at room night numbers when you're seeing uh, more more room nights sold than what we had in 2018 with the last year the ferry really operating. It's hard to it's hard to to refute that. Like it's it's great numbers and it's hard to even explain why we're getting. More more people staying here, spending more nights here, um, with less passenger passengers than so it's it's an interesting it's an interesting phenomenon really. Hey, it just goes to show how much we have to offer here, and you know, yeah. and I, I'm sure a little bit of course is you know after the I'm, I'm sure well the pandemic of course there's still parts of it going on, but you know after the the main part of the pandemic, you know people are looking to travel to get out there and. You know, I I could as speaking as someone who's you know came from away to this area. You know, there's so much to offer here that you never even knew. So I think a lot of people yeah are just discovering this area. Yeah, and and Yas has done a lot to market the region in the meantime, so even since have all through COVID. So um, it it is just people recognizing that there is more to do here than just uh, as a as a pass through point. So um, they're they're spending more money in this region, and that, that's a great thing. So. For sure. So it feels, you know, kind of like things are, they're finally getting back to normal. Yeah, a little bit. Um, and obviously it's, its you know, we still got a ways to go. We still want passenger counts to be higher and, and, and round trips to be higher and more, more U.S. tourists coming this way. But for um, year one of uh, ferry operating and coming out of the pandemic, I think uh, overall, I think this, this season's been a success and um, looking forward to next year at this point to, so we can really really see what this thing can do. So tell us more about how businesses are feeling about the service being back. You mentioned a, a couple of sentiments from people up at the top and, you know, going from sometimes having no people booking nights to suddenly you're full up. So tell us a little bit more about, you know, what you're hearing from businesses after the service came back. Um, just overall, they were really excited and, and really just happy to get back to back to work uh, and back to business and, and having, having having these tourists uh, arriving on our shores again. Um, overall, um, basically every operator we've talked to, every business that we've talked to, um, that services the tourism industry in some way or another has seen an increase in, in business. Uh, we've talked to some restaurants that basically said they have almost two supper hours. They have um, regular supper hour around that five five to six o'clock, and then they have another one um, after around seven thirty to uh, to eight thirty when just after the ferry arrives. So um, it's it's definitely having this this impact that um, that we're all looking for and want to see. Um, you know, so many operators are there and businesses are just they're just getting their feet back under them now uh, and this season for a few have allowed allowed them to actually catch up on bills and whatnot that they've had from the past three years um, of no service and COVID so it's been uh, it's been a, it was a great year uh, and for a lot of them and I think we can see more of that coming and a lot of them are excited about you know what what next year will bring um, you know there's a little bit of relief now that they have committed to a Leasing the ferry for for next year, uh, but um, so but it's still it's still a you know as much as we want to make plans, uh, long term plans are still hard to make in the current environment. 
Yeah, for sure. And we'll chat about a little a little bit about that in in a little while. But uh, one other thing I want to mention, I want to ask about about businesses because you mentioned catching up. But are we also seeing you know any of these businesses grow or seeing anything new open this season? Um, I think there's been a little bit of growth. We've seen a little bit of uh, new operators popping up, kind of just tentatively here. Uh, uh, new operators at the lighthouse for the food service. Um, uh, there's a couple new uh, small catering companies around that are doing some things that kind of kind of work in tandem with it. Um, there are there are other businesses kind of around the fringes of looking to do things, and um, so I think you know it is providing some sort of confidence to to the uh, to everyone really. So yeah. So, of course, now the other side of this is the comments we've been hearing from the provincial government. You know, they've been they've been very critical before and after being elected. You know, before the uh, progressive conservatives were elected in the last election, they went to court to find out how much the province was paying for the ferry. And they've been they expressed disappointment with the numbers. They were looking to review the service. Uh, So what do you have to say to them now that the season is over and we have these final numbers? Well, I think the announcements that come out this past week of the the service being the ferry lease being extended and uh, them com- being ready to complete an economic impact review, um, all good things. Um, obviously, the we need to find a way to make this a stable service um, without the year to year wondering what's going to happen. Um, there's, there's businesses can't operate in that sense in ter- for a long in the long run. Um, making sure that if if we have we have multiple businesses that want to invest large amounts of money, um, but, but they're not about to do that with the current current environment of of never really knowing what's going to happen. So until we get to that stage um, of you know a committed service. Um, we're not going to see that those long-term investments made in in our community. So um, it's time for government to make that commitment um, to 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 the region and to the service, uh, so our businesses can really operate for the long time. Do you think they were kind of jumping the gun a bit by making these statements before we had the full scope? Because I remember they had they made sort of a, a big statement. Uh, it was maybe like a month or two ago where they, they kind of came out and, and expressed their disappointment. And I, that kind of struck me as odd because, you know, it was still, we were still in the middle of the season. Things were still going on. And, and for them to come out and, and, you know, make this statement that they were disappointed in the numbers before we even had the full scope of the numbers, uh, I thought was a little weird. So do you think they were maybe jumping the gun a little bit by doing that? I think they were jumping the gun a little bit. I think a little bit of speaking off, off the cuff and not necessarily prepared to speak on on the issue um so just definitely need to like there was there it was a little early to to really get into those kind of comments um definitely needed to see the full results and um at the end of the day they're getting um now that we have them um i think it's basically where it was projected like you know not it's hard to make projections on on any of this and you know things happen we had a hurricane come our way that really screwed some things up for for the ferry and um and interest in travel confidence in travelers coming this way so um right at the end of the season so uh those little things have to have a major impact um 
and the words of government have a major impact on the confidence of tourists to come this way too. So um, without, you know, and I think government needs to recognize that they, that their their words speak loudly. And as soon as the as soon as the, that those announced those those words hit the media, um, and were disseminated across across the province and across the country across the U.S., we had calls almost instantly of, oh, I just heard the ferry was canceled. And it, that wasn't true, but that's what they heard. Um, and the the very those very simple words can have massive impacts on on what our uh, economy does and what what tourists think of the area. So um, we need to have a government that's thinking a little more forward in, in their messaging, just to make sure that they're not um, hurting uh, the tourism industry or any other industry. Um, with uh, with very simple language. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and we've we've talked about this a bit before. You know, the effect that those comments can have. You know, regardless of any if 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 any decision is made. You know, just by expressing that. You know, it it causes some hesitancy. So is that what you were seeing with with businesses and and things like that when they were making those comments? Absolutely, and and it, it wasn't even necessarily the businesses so much because we we've we've all heard this before it's it's the tourists that are coming this way that you start hearing it from that that really start worrying you um the businesses yeah absolutely it's it's a worrying thing but we we've we've heard this from governments for the past 10 years or more um and it's just time for government to really uh commit to the service and um you know do their negotiating in private, not in public, um, and, and really just to make sure that we can maintain confidence in the service and, and the tourism industry across this province. So do you have any final thoughts now on, you know, the end of the cat season and any of the comments from the province? Any final thoughts you want to share? I think it's just time that we, you know, uh, actually work together. Um, the the province premier and, and and ministers really need to to come down here and talk to talk to us and talk to our operators and uh, and have those conversations so they understand the impact and um and, and work with us no, not just uh sit in halifax and uh make decisions that affect the livelihoods of um of, of yarmouth and and the the uh sustainability of our businesses it's um it's uh it's a major it's a major thing and um We've invited the premier to to uh, visit Yarmouth and, and attend a attend a forum that we'll, we'll, we're happy to host um, to hear from our hear from our businesses about the impacts that are actually happening. Um, so um, glad to see the the economic impact study going to get underway. Um, but uh, there's there's further stories to tell too. Um, so we want to make sure those stories are told properly. Absolutely. Well, Rick, I want to thank you so much for joining me today for discussing, you know, the cat, the season, you know, what the province has said, everything that's been going on around this. You know, it's such an important service for this area and it's important to businesses. So I want to thank you for joining me and just uh, giving us a a good overview of, of how the season went and how it impacted businesses here in Yarmouth. Perfect. Thank you very much. The Weekender returns in a moment on Y95. 
Welcome back to The Weekender on Y95. I'm Kevin Northup. Weekender uh, on site uh, for this one. We are out at the uh, municipal office in Hebron, and we are chatting with Frank Grant, the director of Yarmouth Recreation, this morning. Uh, good morning, Frank. Thanks for uh, allowing me to come into the building here. Always, a be- It's a beautiful morning out here, out the back way. you got a great view here in this office. Yes, uh, beautiful. We always got deer in the backyards, <laughs> and uh, welcome to Hebron. Well, there you go. Well, the deer can stay in Hebron and out of town. I think Mayor Moo would be uh, would be happy with that one. Uh, we're here to talk uh, kind of bo- about Yarmouth Recreation, and I know uh, the Yarmouth County Athletic Awards are something that's a focus this time of year. There are some changes uh, this year for the Athletic Awards. They're going to be held January the 12th. So just tell us a bit about um, uh, why those awards have been delayed a bit. So 44th Annual Yarmouth County Athletic Awards, and... Uh with the last two years in 2020 and 2021 being canceled from COVID-19, uh, our sport community is back up and uh, participating in provincial or higher activities. And so we're, we are getting the uh, ceremony back to recognize all those athletes and teams and coaches and volunteers that have won at provincial play or higher. And this is a cooperative event that's organized by Yarmouth Recreation as well as Argyle Recreation. So we are uh, asking all those teams out there to please uh, give us uh, the information about their their sports teams. Um, there's information information uh, online at yarmouthrecreation.ca and uh, there's easy to fill out forms online as well to give us that information. And, and always as part of our ceremonies, we have special awards as well. And uh, if you're thinking of a, an athlete, a youth athlete, sport volunteer, coach, a fair play award winner, or a official, um, they can be nominated as well for special awards. So um, we, like I said, 44 years we have been doing this. Um, the last two um, have kind of thrown us a curveball um, without getting those off the ground, but we're happy to say we are back. Um, We've changed it up a little bit. Um, The ceremony is happening in the new year, early in the new year. So Thursday, January the 12th, we will be gathering at Salle Paris Maurice Leblanc uh, Theatre in Tuscott, um, located in the uh, back of École Secondaire de Parambas School, and it'll be a great night to celebrate sport. Always a great night to celebrate sport, and I know uh, you know so many athletes are deserving of of that recognition, and it, it it's at the local level too with local high school sports, local uh, rep sports. All those athletes uh, get nominated, but it's not just that. Of course, uh, our athletes that go on to bigger to bigger sports uh, always get honored as well. We've seen Ryan Graves have an honor, so it really celebrates encompasses all of what Yarmouth County sport has to offer. For sure, and. And uh, just as you mentioned Ryan's name, he was a past Youth Athlete of the Year. Um, we also uh, had another NHLer that received an Athlete of the Year award way back in the day, I think in the mid-90s. Uh, Jody Shelley was Yarmouth County's Athlete of the Year. So kind of neat that in our, in our list of uh, award winners, we've had two NHL players. So for sure, um, we, we want to hear, um, we want to receive some, some nominations for some great achievements of people and um you know it's uh being part of a a sports team is is a great um 
benefit to, to someone's uh, personal growth. And, you know, we all know all the benefits of being part of a team and how that helps you out with, with future um, school and, and careers and, and work and all that stuff. So for sure, this is an important thing to, to recognize. And we, we do uh, always say that you have to win at provincials or higher competition. But with some of our school sports, um, we honor teams that get to the highest level that they possibly can. So some of the school sports may not have a provincial, but if we have a local team that wins at the district level, then of course we will honor them as well. So anyone out there that's coached or or is a parent uh, volunteer on a sports group, uh, we need to hear from you so we can make sure that we get everyone that we need um, to the ceremony on January the 12th. And as you talked about with the changes, uh, are you looking at this as a celebration that we've come through? I mean, obviously the pandemic is still going on, but we've come through a pretty difficult time in, in not being able to get together and honor athletes uh, in this way. So this, uh, this ceremony this year is a, or I should say in the new year is uh, really a callback to ceremonies of the past and being able to, to celebrate that with their teammates. For sure. And, and that's, you know, that's been the whole thing with the pandemic. Some sports were able to go, ahead and have competitions but in a different way some sports were canceled altogether so for sure um, this past year most of most of the sports in the area have been going back to normal Um, and uh, yeah we're looking forward to having a couple hundred people there and um, you know getting people to make connections and uh, see people that maybe uh, some coaches have played you know, sports with in their career and and they get a chance to connect and, and chat and socialize a little bit. So for sure, great, great time coming up in the new year. Yeah. And uh, it's uh, open to the public as well um, to come in and, and take a look. And, and I know that we always have a display of some of the banners that have been won, some of the medals, uh, different things that the athletes have accomplished. So there's always a display uh, there too. Frank, I'll ask you what it takes to put a night like this together. Besides the fact that the nominations need to come in, what are some of the other elements that, uh, that you have to do as recreation director along with Argyle to make sure this, uh, this goes smoothly? For sure. So, the, like I said, the big part of it is by uh, the end of October, we hope to have all of our information collected. And then we start looking at the nominations and trying to uh, work with our committee between the, the two recreation departments to make those selections for the special awards, get the awards ordered, uh, line up some uh, special dignitaries to help us present, present awards, and then, of course, get the invites out to, to all the worthy athletes coaches and volunteers so it's uh it's a big event and uh we're gonna you know take the opportunity with not having one for a couple years to to change a little bit the venue i think is going to be a super venue we're we're happy to be in in the uh the theater at the south uh maurice leblanc um and uh yeah i think it's going to be a a great uh great night to celebrate sport in yarmouth county so again, that's January the 12th coming up. It's the uh, Yarmouth County Athletic Awards. Uh, very much looking forward to that. And uh, more information if people need to know more about where to find uh, you know, these, these forms and how they get them to you. How can they do that? So, of course, uh, you can reach out to your local recreation department. The phone phones still work, but a lot of people like to bring this stuff off on their phones. So uh, both of our websites are uh, full of information and, and easy to fill out forms. So that's 
that's one of the things that uh, with technology has made it a bit easier that you can just click on a link on uh, on our website and jot down the information and contact people and then we can do the rest. So for sure, reach out to your local recreation department if you need more info. Excellent. And uh, I'll ask you, um, we're now on in the fall. We uh, just completed uh, probably a pretty busy summer for Yarmouth Recreation, busier than obviously the last uh, couple of years. Uh, how did the summer go here for activity? And I, I know kids are always looking for something to do on, on summer breaks. So uh, how are things for you and your staff? 2022 was a normal summer. Uh, we had uh, lots of uh, day camps and programs and special events happening. Um, you know, Lake Milo was busy every day with lifeguarded swimming and uh, canoe and kayak rentals. And it was it was great to see uh, um, a normal summer again happening. And um, as we move into the fall and winter months, yes, things do calm down a little bit. But we do have lots of activities happening in local community schools and our uh, our buildings at Lake Milo and at the Rotary Center in Hebron here, um, they are open for, for booking rentals and we have various groups, you know, martial arts and dance groups and uh, aerobics groups that are booking and, you know, kind of shifting into the, the, uh, the fall program season. So it's, uh, you know, we're hoping that the pandemic is behind us a little bit and uh, that we can get people back back moving and and getting some physical activity and you mentioned there are programs in in gyms and uh, lots of uh, uh, chances for kids to take part uh, in those activities so uh, what are some of the things this fall and winter that uh, kids can get involved in well uh, coming up on monday uh, october 24th we have the annual jack-o'-lantern parade i was just going to ask you about that (laughs) so uh, it's changed a little bit that uh, we aren't on main street anymore so we are at gateway park so we're walking the the track that goes around gateway park so for those of you not familiar where gateway park is corner of william street and southeast street um Inside the ballpark, we have the 400-meter uh, track that encircles the ball field, and we're going to have everyone gather in there, you know, dress up with your costumes and, and have your, uh, your pumpkins and your, and your carts, and uh, we're going to walk the track. So um, we're encouraging everyone to bring, bring their flashlights and their decorated uh, jack-o'-lanterns, and we'll have some, uh, some hot chocolate and some treat bags and... Um, yeah, it'll be a fun fun night inside the park instead of, uh, you know, uh, going down Main Street. I think, um, you know, it's, uh, it's going to be a, a fun way to get the kids excited for the big day on, on Halloween night. Yeah, just a, a week before uh, Halloween is taking place. So, again, this is this Monday uh, coming up, October the 24th. Um, uh, always a great time uh, with the Jack-O-Lantern Parade and, and a tradition uh, here in Yarmouth that's been taking place for a long time. I know uh, uh, the late Ray Zink and, uh, of course, uh, his wife Louise uh, always uh, love to take part in that too and always love to take my kids to it as well. So uh, a lot of fun. So that's coming up. Uh, what else do we have going on? All right. So you mentioned some of the activities in school gyms. Uh, we do have, still have some room for some, uh, some uh, children's programs. We have... Uh, Family Nerf Wars, uh, ages 6 to 12. So those are on uh, Tuesdays at Yarmouth Elementary. Um, So there's some room uh, in for the Nerf Wars. And uh, Friday Night Fun, ages 6 to 10. So that's at Meadowfields Community School um, on Friday night. So some activities, some movies, um, you know, a good way for 
for parents to maybe uh, drop their kids off for some activities and then they get some grocery shopping or, or go out for a bite to eat themselves. So those are a couple of uh, programs that we still have some spots in. Um, some other activities happening is uh, we have our Seniors for Seniors uh, dance that's coming up. Uh, we're uh, Golden Oldies Fall Dance coming up on November the 10th at the Lions Club. And we have an active uh, Seniors for Seniors uh, committee that are... Um, you know, getting ready for a series of dances coming up in the fall and winter. Um, and of course, we are nearing uh, municipal and town tree lighting. So mm. uh, the town of Yarmouth tree lighting, uh, the date has been set for November the 25th. And then the municipality of the district of Yarmouth tree lighting is set for December the 2nd. So those are going to be upon us. And uh, we'll be lighting some trees in the community and getting everyone in the festive spirit. Well, maybe we need that because the weather's been so warm the last <laughs> the last couple of weeks here. Uh, it doesn't feel like that the holiday season is right around the corner, but uh, here we are. So uh, happy to hear that's coming. That's uh, it's been on every year, of course. The tree lighting and and people will be able to attend these ones in person, of course. Exactly, exactly. So that's been another thing with COVID. We have always lit the trees, but we had a couple of virtual lighting. So no, we'll be we'll be back uh, gathering around the tree and. Um, you know, uh, doing all the activities that, that come with, with each of those. So, yeah, we're, we're looking forward to that. Um, I did want to mention that we still have some walking groups going on and some walking challenges. Um, we have our Active, so- Active Souls Community Walking Group that takes place every Tuesday night at 530, and we have different uh, locations for the walk um, each week. And uh, information for that is on our Get Yar- Active Yarmouth Facebook page. And we have a new challenge coming up. Um, we, we've had some great success with uh, various walking challenges. And we have a lighthouse route challenge. So this is uh, an, another way that if you're a beginner, moderate, or advanced walker, you can uh, you know, count your steps. And it basically counts a virtual route to various lighthouses throughout Nova Scotia. So a different little twist on a walking challenge and to try to motivate some folks to get out and count their steps. So really, it's Yarmouth Recreation offering something for everybody, whether it's youth, uh, seniors has a great group, and uh, as well with uh, with adults and, uh, like I said, people of all ages. So it's it's great to hear. And uh, maintenance-wise, how have things been for uh, for Yarmouth Recreation? I know you have a, a great team that works here and helps keep the fields uh, ready and, and good for, for use. Uh, how have things been going there? Well, we, we had some rain early this week, and uh, over the weekend um, – some ball tournaments happening with the uh, high school baseball and uh, the year-end men's and women's uh, co- uh, slow pitch league. So um, we were underwater a little bit midweek, but uh, the crews uh, were able to get the fields up up to par. And no, uh, things things have gone really well from that from that angle. And uh, you know, uh, the one thing I can mention is that um, we are looking for uh, some additional staff to help us with programs and. Um, supervising schools and that sort of thing. So if there's anyone out there, um, generally we usually get high school or uh, community college uh, students to help us out with with leading different programs and activities. But uh, if anyone out there may be interested, um, you know, there's information on our website or they can call us that there are some employment opportunities still available to help us out with trying to reach more people because uh, you're right, we try to do programming for all ages um, but sometimes we have staff limitations that uh, that 
can propose uh, a few issues, but uh, we are looking for a few more program leaders and uh, we'd love to hear from you. And uh, just finally, I know there's been a lot of road work here out in the municipality with uh, the sidewalks uh, being installed, but uh, I know that's a, that's a council issue, but how you know excited are you to see those sidewalks for active transportation here in Yarmouth County? Well, um, I can, you know, and I say this often when I go to meetings, active transportation, um, our plan was completed in 2009. So we're 12 years into a plan and both the town and municipality of Yarmouth have used that plan in the last 12 years. If you look at all the construction, yes, people do get frustrated sometimes waiting. Um, but, you know, a lot of work has happened within the town of Yarmouth with active transportation paths. Uh, people are and people are using them. People are walking, rolling, cycling, and uh, the municipality's project um, uh, along the Milo stretch has been approved. So that will uh, come to fruition hopefully in the next over the next couple of years. And then the Hebron Dayton sidewalks is just another link to our trail system and our current sidewalk system. So I. I I just think it's terrific that the, the councils are supporting active, active transportation. It's another way that people can be active on their own time. They don't have to wait for Yarmouth Recreation to put on a program. If someone works a 12-hour shift and their time to recreate is 7 a.m. in the morning when they get off and they can go for a walk um, and do a different loop, maybe do partial walk on a, on a sidewalk and then cut in on the trail, then that's terrific and and i you know i think there's more to come certainly great to hear from you frank uh for this uh, edition of the weekender and talking about the athletic awards and a great update on yarmouth recreation as we head towards the winter months uh thanks again and uh, we'll be chatting before the athletic awards happen and certainly provide coverage of that too so uh we'll look forward to all the uh, great events coming up well thank you kevin and it's always great to have y95 support with everything that we do so uh, thanks for having me not a problem at all. And thanks for inviting me to the office here in uh, Hebron. Always love coming out here. Beautiful morning. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been a great chat. So Frank Grant with Yarmouth Recreation uh, talking about the athletic awards coming up in January and all sorts of things happening with Yarmouth Recreation. The Weekender returns in a moment on Y95. Welcome back to The Weekender on Y95. I'm Jacob Postlewaite. I'm joined today by the Alzheimer Society of Nova Scotia's Regional Coordinator for Education and Outreach, in Digby, Yarmouth, and Shelburne, Sandra Hubbard-LeBlanc, and she's here to discuss some of the services they offer here in the Tri-Counties. Thanks so much for joining me, Sandra. You're welcome, Jacob. Thanks for the opportunity. So first off, uh, just tell us a little bit about, you know, some of the work the Society does. Okay, we do a lot of work uh, across the province. Some of our programs are in person, others are virtual. But I'm really, what I'd like to do today is focus on what I'm uh, providing in the Yarmouth area in person, happy to say, um, you know, now that COVID is, seems to be settling down, we're eager to get uh, our boots on the ground and help people in Yarmouth, Shelburne and Digby. So I'm starting uh, what we call a six-week series called the Family Caregiver Education Series. And that's a series that is specific for caregivers only. Uh, somebody who may be newly uh, diagnosed, caregiving for somebody with a new diagnosis of a dementia of any kind, um, and that person is interested in learning more about caregiving specifically for their person. So it is, as I said, a six-week series, 
and it will be starting uh, on Monday, October 31st, Halloween afternoon, uh, from 2 to 4, and uh, that will be happening at uh, one of the boardrooms in the uh, municipality of the District of Yarmouth in their offices in uh, Hebron. It's from 2 to 4. There will be no session on November 28th because I will be away on that week. But as I said, it is a six-week session, and we cover various topics. Uh, The first week, for instance, is just a basic understanding of what is Alzheimer's, what is dementia, what is happening in the brain, because we do know it's brain failure. But it helps a caregiver understand you know, maybe some of the behaviors that, that they're seeing in their person. So understanding dementia, then care for the caregiver, maybe even looking, not maybe, we actually do look at topics such as getting your um, planning for future events, like powers of attorney and estate planning, those very important topics that we tend to shove under the rug, but that are so important, especially when we're caring for a person with dementia. Um, And then just understanding, you know, helping them guide them through the myriad of what's available in the healthcare services to help support them, what's available in the community, all of these things. And it's, uh, as I said, it's six weeks over a couple hours a week. So it spreads it out and makes it easier. What I also like is that it really forms a network of people, you know, that you can relate to and maybe connect with as well. And and when you're in the same boat, you understand each other and you can share strategies. That's the other part that I really like about the Family Caregiver Education Series. Um, yeah, I don't know if you have anything else there, Jacob, that I could add in. No, that that all sounds that's all sounds really good. It sounds like, you know, a great a great series, you know, not just, you know, because you, you kind of forget when you talk about dementia, you talk about Alzheimer's, but you also have to think about, you know, there are a lot of people who are also caring for those people with with Alzheimer's and, you know, they're also, you know, it, it's it's affecting them and I think that's that this is really important. Yeah, we do call uh, dementia, Alzheimer's a family disease because it really does entail a lot of assistance as the disease progresses. The initial diagnosis, you know, in the early stage, a person can live well with dementia if the supports are in place and the right things are set up. And if a caregiver is aware of services and uh, some community supports that can help them, it makes the journey that much Um, I don't want to say easy, but less challenging and feeling like you may have a sense of being more in control of things, which is very important with any diagnosis, right? We all look for support and we all need help. Um, The other thing I'd like to add is to register for any of our services at all. It's important to call up what we call our info line, which is I like to call it our helpline in a way. Um, So to register for the Family Caregiver Education Series, you would have to call our 1-800 number, which is 1-800-611-6345. And people can also just look online and connect that way. And and if they didn't have a pen or paper there, perhaps they can just go online and check our Alzheimer's Society of Nova Scotia website, and that number is shows up everywhere. Well, that's certainly important information, and it's good to have all that out there. Uh, but this isn't the only thing you're going to be doing here in the Tri-County area, is that right? That is correct, Jacob. Um, 
I'm going to be and happily going to be setting up, uh, have set up a caregiver support group. And this group will be meeting monthly. Uh, we're starting on Thursday, November 3rd. So it will be monthly the first Thursday of every month. And that will be from 1 to 3 o'clock. Again, we're having the meetings at the municipality of the District of Yarmouth in one of the boardrooms there. And that is in Hebron. Again, you would have to call the 800 number to register, 1-800-611-6345. It's specific to caregivers um, dealing with or caring for a person with dementia. So that would be a stipulation to qualify to be in the group. The groups are a great place for people to meet as much like the Family Caregiver Education Series, but it seems to go a bit deeper because we're looking at the emotional repercussions, perhaps some physical repercussions of dealing and caring for a person with dementia. So it really does set up a network of friends and people who really understand what living with, uh, a, you know, having a person with dementia who you care for so immensely and, and who you see changes happening. We all know that can be difficult and challenging. The group is the perfect place to sit and just listen or share or just connect. Uh, we're hoping to serve, you know, maybe a tea or coffee and a cookie just uh, to make it a bit more relaxing. So uh, very, very happy to get that up and running in the Yarmouth area again. I'm hoping that I can soon look at setting something like this up in the Clare or Shelburne areas as well. So if anybody's listening and there's an interest, I would really like them to call the 1-800 number just to express that interest so we can get a better sense of numbers and where we should be focusing our gaze next to set up these groups for sure. Absolutely. You know, uh, you, there's no way that you guys can know that there is demand, there is need for those services in those areas unless people call. So absolutely, if you're listening and you know someone who could benefit from any of these, from the education series or from the support group, definitely reach out. Uh, absolutely. So tell us a little bit more about, you know, why it's so important to hold these sessions here in Yarmouth. Well, we do know that uh, dementia, you know, our numbers are increasing. And it's like any other disease. If you feel alone, it's that much harder to go through everything. So, you know, Yarmouth is not uh, immune to dementia by any means. And uh, so that's why, you know, we're so happy that we finally have boots on the ground in my position to be able to be an outreach for people living with dementia and their care partners. So we're really happy that, uh, you know, I can now have a radar on this area. Not that they didn't before. It's just that with my position, uh, it's easier to focus and then look at, you know, what needs to be done. Where are there gaps? How can we help? Because that is our mandate. We just want to help people get through this journey, whatever that may be. Um, you know, I'm looking at, um, there, there are all kinds of programs that we offer offer in the province of Nova Scotia, the info line being our number one way to connect to our groups. And that is always, uh, it's a confidential phone service. It's provided by our team of knowledgeable and caring staff who really go the extra mile just to be an ear and a heart on the other end of the line. You know, sometimes people call us with questions and concerns. 
but sometimes they just feel so alone that they do need to speak to somebody. So we're a go-to often for that, and we're happy to be there for people. And then we can provide them, once the link is made, we can provide them with resources and supports and referrals to proper whatever it is they need in their life at that moment, whether it's for them as a caregiver or for their person with dementia. We have many people with dementia who call our line, and we help them on the journey as well. Um, You know, we have all kinds of information put through by persons living with dementia. Um, It's called By Us, For Us. So that just says, you know, we're listening to people with dementia who tell us what they need, to to live the best way they can for as long as they can. Uh, It's exciting to think that these programs are happening for sure. I'm hoping that we can soon have some actual programs in our area for both the person with dementia and their care partner as well. Right now, um, I'm very happy to say that we're setting up uh, the municipality of Argyle. I've been in in talks with uh, Natalie Dottermo and and Jeanette Dottermo of uh, the Recreation Department of Municipality of Argyle. And they've agreed to set up what's called a memory cafe. I'm really excited about the memory cafe, and I'm sure you'd like to hear more about that, Jacob. Absolutely. Tell us what that is. Great. So a memory cafe is something that's happening throughout the province in various areas. And it's an event that happens within like a local restaurant or perhaps a cafe. Sometimes it's a church group or what have you. But it's a cafe that's set up specifically geared to mingle persons living with dementia and their care partners within the community. So it helps get rid of a stigma of dementia, helps people feel like they belong by, by, you know, fitting into this afternoon in a cafe where they have tea, coffee, maybe a sweet, and then listen to some music and perhaps uh, explore a bit of artwork and just sit and talk. And it, you know, it's a great way to get everybody mingled within the community. So um, the municipality of Argyle will be starting a memory cafe. And this is just basic information right now, but uh, December 6th is a Tuesday. And it will be from 2.30 to 3.30, and it will be happening at Wild Roots Restaurant in Tuscott at that little mall just off of Exit 33. If anyone is interested in attending that Memory Cafe, uh, they would call the Recreation Department, and that number is 902-648-3379, and ask for Natalie or Jeanette. Well, that sounds like something that sounds so awesome. You know, uh, it it gives you, you know, like a social setting to talk and, and relate. To, people can relate to each other. I think that's just great. It is. And we do know that, you know, the socialization is so important for anybody, but it really does help the cognitive, um, you know, the cognitive abilities of a person with dementia. It gets those neurons firing in a very positive way, which is just helpful all around. Not only for people with dementia, but for us as well. Absolutely. And uh, you touched on how the numbers of people diagnosed with dementia are increasing. So tell us a little bit about the situation, you know, surrounding dementia here in Nova Scotia. You know, we currently know that we have 16,000 people in the province of Nova Scotia living with dementia. 
And as I said, we call it a family disease. So if we look at 16,000, we do know that there's usually at least one person who is a main caregiver, sometimes more. So that means, you know, 16 and 16 is 32. We're talking 32,000 people that we're aware of who are living with dementia in some way. So it's very impactful. Absolutely. Uh, We've touched on a lot of programs here and a lot of services you offer. Uh, So tell Mm -hmm. us again how people can find out more about all these services. To find out more, you can reach out to our info line at 1-800-611-6345. We have a variety of programs that are available virtually or in person. um, And uh, that's for people living with dementia, people caring for a person with dementia, and also healthcare partners and healthcare professionals who are looking for some added supports, maybe, uh, you know, just how do we help this person that we've just diagnosed? Um, anybody can reach out to our info line at any time. And do you have a final message for people as these sessions start getting underway? Uh, final message is don't feel alone. Please reach out to the info line. Um, if people want to speak to me directly, they can call the info line and ask for my contact information. I'm happy to do, you know, some phone calls to help uh, people feel a bit more secure, perhaps. Um, But our info line is the perfect place to call, for sure. And just, you know, our tagline is uh, Alzheimer's, hope for today, help for tomorrow. So don't feel alone. Just reach out, and uh, we're here for you. Absolutely. Well, Sandra, I want to thank you so much for joining us today, for discussing all of these services and programs from the Alzheimer's Society, and for just chatting a little bit about, you know, how Alzheimer's affects people here in Nova Scotia. So I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us. Well, I really appreciate you reaching out as well, Jacob, for your interest. And uh, I would also encourage anybody who has access to technology to please check out our website, and because uh, it's jam-packed with some helpful advice and resources there as well. Absolutely. Check that out. Sandra, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you, Jacob. That was Sandra Hubbard-LeBlanc, the Alzheimer's Society of Nova Scotia's Regional Coordinator for Education and Outreach in Digby, Yarmouth, and Shelburne. And that's our program for today. Thanks for listening. For story suggestions or to submit feedback, email news.cjls at radioabl.ca or call our newsline at 902-749-1919. To listen to archived versions of our program, visit us online at cjls.com and click on The Weekender. The Weekender is a production of the Y95 Newsroom and is brought to you by Eris Yarmouth, your one-stop healthy home center.